Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Opponents Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Vince D'Addario, and I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. Notre Dame is coming off a fairly convincing 45-31 to victory over the Boston College Eagles a couple of weeks ago. And, of course, there's a ton to talk about that game uh, over on irishbreakdown.com. And uh, you can also find our podcast over at SoundWise, as well as our YouTube channel, But today we are turning our attention to the North Carolina Tar Heels. It is a 3.30 kickoff at North Carolina. Of course, that game is on Friday, uh, not on Saturday. It's on Friday, day after Thanksgiving, and it will once again be found on ABC. So make sure you log on to irishbreakdown.com prior to, during, and after the game for all of our updates and analysis. But with me today to talk about the Tar Heels of North Carolina is Greg Barnes, who is the beat writer for Inside Clemson, which I believe is part of the 247 Sports Group. Uh, Greg, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Vince. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time for us. Um, So North Carolina, obviously offensive juggernaut. Uh, Mac Brown has really injected some life into this program uh, the last couple of years. Just give us kind of a state of the program, kind of where North Carolina sits. I know they've been, you know, hot on the recruiting trail. Uh, you know, Sam Howell is, a, an, is an exciting young quarterback, and we'll get more into him later. But just kind of an overall thought on where this program is right now. Well, this is a program that, that won five games in Larry Fedora's final two years in, in 17 and 18. Uh, they did have a lot of injuries those two years. So I think when Mac Brown came in, he, he realized that there would be an immediate boost in production once a lot of those guys got healthy. And we did see that. But but really the key for, for what Mac Brown has done is that one of the first calls he made when he took the job in November of 2018 was to Sam Howe. And Sam Howe was committed to Florida State at the time. Um, and we know that college football and all football is really a, a quarterback's game, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you look at what North Carolina did in 17 and 18, they didn't have quarterback play. Uh, look at Florida State right now. They don't have quarterback play, among other things. Yeah. Um, but you know, getting Sam Howe, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the country, uh, immediately you know, paid dividends. Sure. And uh, the fact that he came in from day one and was so successful, he covered up a lot of the other blemishes. And so Mac Brown, we all know that he's a, a great recruiter, always has been. Uh, he signed some, some big names initially. And then uh, I think it was a top 15 class in the – uh, 2019 season and then right now he's, he's probably going to end up with a top 20 class uh, but this is a small number of players they're probably only going to sign 20 so it's probably okay. qual- quantity quality wise it's better mm-hmm. than what the the final ranking may show so he he's doing what he needs to do to kind of build depth and build talent to depth and he has been able as i said to, to rely on somehow to make up for some of those miscues which we can get into um, but every, he's, he said earlier this year that he thought the program was ahead of schedule. He's always kind of pointing to next season as the year this program can really break out and, and compete for an ACC title. Um, you know, they're a little bit in the mix right now. They sure. need some help, obviously. But, but he feels pretty good about what the program is. Well, now, what does the fan base think about Mac Brown? I mean, I, obviously he's closer to retirement than he is to his rookie season as a head coach. I mean, but he comes with a lot of pedigree, you know, what he did at Texas, et cetera. I mean, his, his resume speaks for itself. What, what does the fan base think uh, of the head coach at North Carolina? I think you'd get a completely different answer if you 
if you ask them in November of 2018 compared to now. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people across the country that are that way. Here's a guy that uh, I don't want to say he flamed out at Texas. That's probably sure. not fair, but struggled there, you know, in 2012, 2013, and then got out of the business for five years yeah. and worked at ESPN. And uh, so a lot of people were like, well, you know, as the game passed him by, but he came in and he was like, you know what? We want to do what Lincoln Riley's doing in Oklahoma. And so he hires Phil Longo to basically have an air raid passing game with a power run game. Uh, and then he went after Jay Bateman, who a lot of NFL teams liked when he was at Army because he was doing a lot of unique things. And so the fact that he hired coordinators who were kind of on the cutting edge, um, I think that helped. And then, as, as we've talked about, the guy knows how to recruit. And so mm-hmm. when you kind of combine all those things, uh, it's really been a good fit. And the fact, you know, he was in Chapel Hill for a long time, uh, from 88 to 97, and I had a lot of connections. He's, he's maintained a house in the mountains ever since he left for Texas back in, in 97. Uh, and so when he stepped back in to Chapel Hill, all those connections were still there. And so he's really picked up where he left off, even though he's been gone for you know, more than 20 years. Uh, and so I think right now the fan base is pretty happy with him. To your point, Yes. I mean, he's, I guess he's what, 69 now. Um, so he's, he's getting up there, but I think fans are looking at it as, Hey, you know, if he can come back and, and give us five to seven really good years, um, you know, the talent level is going to skyrocket. And so whenever he's ready to hand it off, the, the program's going to be in really good shape. Yeah. It makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't realize how young he was 69 really this day and age is not that old. So that right. makes, that makes a lot of sense. He's just been, He's been around for so long that you think that he may or may not be older. So, uh, so no, that's a really good point. Let, let's you, you talked about the power run game and, and the air raid pass attack. So that let's start there. Uh, Sam Howell is a true freshman, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm excited to watch him play. Watching him on film is one thing. Watching him live is a whole other uh, ball of wax. Talk a little bit about what he brings to the table and uh, just kind of I mean, he is this offense, but uh, at the same time, they've got one heck of a running game. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But Sam Howell and what, 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 how he makes this offense run. Well, we can talk about stats all day long. I think what stands out to me about Sam is in his first college game, North Carolina was trailing in the fourth quarter to South Carolina, uh, which is a you're kind of a big border rival for UNC. Sure. He leads UNC back to victory. Um, did the same thing against Miami a week later. Um, and there's a number of these games where, I mean, even this year, right? I mean, they're, they're down 21 points in three games this year, and yet they have a chance to win the game in the final minute of each of those. And they, they did, did win the game against Wake Forest. He has not thrown an interception in the fourth quarter in his career. Wow. Um, he, he's, he's better uh, in the fourth quarter than he is the first three quarters. And that says a lot about a quarterback. Um, but he's very smart. I mean, if there's an issue for Sam Howe, it's that he – he holds on to the ball a little bit too long, and that's one of the reasons that North Carolina has had a lot of sacks the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but his deep ball is phenomenal, and uh, he's got some wide receivers that he trusts, and he believes that you know if he throws it to them, puts them in a good spot, uh, they're going to win those 50-50 balls. Um, but there's a lot of routes that Phil Longo will call, which are just verticals. Um, and they'll, they'll, you know, Deami Brown or Daz Newsom or Bo Corrales will just run a double move. And if that wide receiver can get behind the defender – uh, Sam's going to hit him and, mm-hmm. and the, his accuracy on the deep throws is really what sets this offense apart. He's good on everything else as well. Uh, but the ability to stretch the defense the way that he does opens up the run game that you mentioned. 
Yeah, well, let's let's talk about those targets here really quick. And you you rattled off a couple of those guys: Brown, Newsom, uh, another Brown. A lot of lot of touchdowns to go around. I mean, there, there's been 23 receiving touchdowns, and I think let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers have accounted for those touchdowns. Uh, which targets should Irish fans kind of be keeping an eye out? Uh, eye out for you know who is going to hurt them in the pass game. Well, the, the two key guys are, are Diami Brown and Daz Newsom. And Diami is the vertical threat. I mean, he's not the biggest okay. guy. I think he's 6'1", maybe 6'2", uh, but he's got afterburners. And at Wake Forest, for example, uh, they had not allowed a passing play of over 50 yards coming into the game two weeks ago. In the first quarter, Hal hit on two of them. Um, so you, th- this is a defense that was scheming to take away deep balls, sure. and, and Sam still – uh, made him pay. And, and Brown's made some incredible catches in his career and just his speed really separates him. And then you got Daz Newsome, who's really kind of the, the slot receiver underneath guy. Gotcha. Um, and early in the year, it was a little bit of an issue. I, I think Sam wanted to hit the deep ball too much. And that's kind of to be expected as a sophomore quarterback kind of learning and teams had done a better job preparing for the deep ball. Um, and so he didn't get the ball to Daz a lot. And that proved problematic for this offense early. Uh, but he he's learned he's he's grown as a quarterback and so he's been able to really key on Daz Newsom a lot over the middle uh, and that's been where they've had a lot of success and so you do have Garrett Walston's a tight end who also takes some of those short intermediate routes uh, but it just really taxes the the defense because when you've got you know safety over the top trying to help you do you cover the vertical with Deami mm-hmm. Brown on the sideline or do you watch Daz Newsom over the middle and so uh, they're really testing defenses in that way no it makes a lot of sense and you know, one of the things you had mentioned was the run game. And I think a lot of people that haven't watched any North Carolina football, you know, Sam Howell gets the headlines, right? I mean, he he's the guy that gets the headlines and they would be shocked to hear that North Carolina has two running backs that average over a hundred yards a game and over seven yards a carry in Javante Williams and Michael Carter. I mean, the run game is, is legit. I mean, th- this is a run game that people need to uh, pay attention to. Let me ask you this. Is it, before we talk about the individual guys, is this a run game that benefits because Sam Howell is so good in the pass game? Or can this run game sustain things on their own? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And it's one of those where certainly Sam Howell helps. Sure. Um, you know, it's uh, Phil Longo is very similar to what uh, Larry Fedora did in terms of scheme. It's also very similar to what Lincoln Riley does. And it's taking what the defense gives you. Um, and so you Wake Forest, for example, was determined to take away the deep passing game. And so UNC was able to run the ball early. Um, and so it, it really is kind of a, a, a good blend. And that's why they've been so explosive. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, I mean, Javante Williams, um, I really think he's a guy that uh, should be the, the Doak Award winner. Um, he's got 62 broken tackles this year, which is, which is 21 more than the next closest guy nationally. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, um, he's going to be a, a stud at the next level if he can stay healthy, and there's no question about it. His burst—he—he's uh, never not backward. Mm-hmm. Um, he always falls forward. He's that kind of back, and he has good speed. But then Michael Carter is—is is the burner, um, and he's gotten stronger throughout his career. Uh, they've done a really good job this year um, of catching the ball better. That had been an issue for both of them in recent years. But Sam Howell's ability to throw to them kind of on swing passes has yielded a lot of, a lot of success, a lot of production. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not like the old Chip Kelly stuff where you, the, the 
the short passes to the running backs are part of the run game necessarily. Uh, it's not quite set up that way, um, but it's, it's really a check down on some plays, but also it's, it's a key, uh, the primary route on other plays. And so they've done a really good job in that, that regard as well. Um, but it really is just a good blend. And, and they could both have success if you only focus on the pass and you only focus on the run. But putting them two together is why top five in the country in yards per play. Now, it, it, as I'm looking at the stats here uh, on the ground, Sam Howell's the third leading rusher. Uh, but obviously, those carries go way down after Williams and Carter. Not a lot of other guys are getting a, a lot of touches. So is Sam Howell a threat out of the backfield with his legs, or is it more of a scrambling situation? What What is Sam Howell as a runner? Yeah, it's more of a scrambling situation. Uh, they do run a lot of RPO stuff, uh, okay. but for the most part, it, it's really handing off versus the, the pass. It's not him keeping. Has he kept? Yes. Um, and he had actually two big runs against Wake Forest that actually gave North Carolina the lead in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, last year's freshman year, because UNC had so many injuries at quarterback, uh, they didn't want him running at all. Yeah. And so now they've actually got some scholarship quarterbacks behind him. Uh, they've taken the reins off a little bit. And so he, he will run occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, he's picked up some third downs that way, but he is certainly nowhere near what uh, Ian Book is. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's, uh, let's shift focus to the offensive line. You, you mentioned, you know, one of the faults, if there are many with Sam Howell, is that he holds the ball a little bit too long, and that can obviously tax a, an offensive line. They got to hold their blocks even longer. Um, just kind of give us a, an update on this offensive line, kind of where, what their strengths are, maybe what their weaknesses are. Well, they've battled some injuries this year. Uh, nothing major, fortunately, for them. Um, but they've got a really good set of maybe five or six guys that they like. And that's really the problem is that they don't have any depth. Um, so if somebody gets hurt, uh, it's problematic. Um, they're really good off the right side, especially running the ball. Uh, you got some massive guys in, in right tackle, Jordan Tucker, and right guard, Marcus McKeithen. Both goes, guys are, I think, are, you know, 330 or so, just massive human beings. And that's where they've had success. Uh, awesome Richards is uh, left tackle. He's, he's a redshirt freshman. He's had some issues early this year, um, but their best offensive lineman is Joshua Zudu at left guard. He missed a couple games early due to injury, but he's back now. Um, so, yeah, they do a good job and run – run protections it does help as i mentioned you know that carter and williams are both so good breaking tackles and making guys miss that's a key component of it um with phil longo's desire to throw the ball deep and that's just part of the air raid was also because you have sam howe that has been problematic at times because teams that have been able to get pressure can get howe out of position and that's where some of those sacks come from so what unc has really done uh last four or five games is they've really done a good job of keeping uh, the tight end and the running back at home to max protect, to give Sam Howe an extra second or two for those routes to develop down the field. And so that's one thing you'll watch and you'll see quite a bit is the tight end and the running back staying home to give them you know, seven blockers up front. Sure. Um, they're, they're, it's not a great offensive line. It's a good offensive line. Uh, and it's been good enough for this team to be explosive. Let, let's uh, let's head over to the other side of the ball, and I, and I think this is where the intrigue comes in for this particular game is the North Carolina defense, and the, the numbers, you know, they're not great, obviously. Uh, they're but not le- good. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> over 150 yards given up on the ground, and I think over 260 in the air. Um, but let, let's dive a little bit deeper. Let's let's talk about this uh, defensive front, the the, the front guys. First of all, what kind of defense is North Carolina running? 
Um, and, and what does it look like up front for those guys? Well, this is really a, a multiple front scheme that, that Jay Bateman is running. Um, he's, he's very creative, uh, and that's one of the reasons that he's had a lot of success and that he, he tries to, to base his schemes on tendencies, which I, I know every defensive coordinator does. Uh, but he, he wants to create confusion in terms of where he sends pressure. Um, he's, he preferred not to have to blitz at all. Um, and when he does blitz, it's typically just one guy. Uh, but what he will do is he'll, you never really know where that guy's coming from. Uh, he likes to blitz his safeties. He likes to blitz his corners. Um, and he'll drop his defensive ends and into coverage. Okay. The issue for, for this team is they just do not have the bodies up front. So this is a uh, – I would say this year it's a 4-2-5 look. Okay. Um, technically, there's only two down defensive linemen. And you have two outside linebackers who who stand up at the line of scrimmage. Jay would prefer to be able to to base out of a three four. He doesn't have the bodies quite yet. Gotcha. Um, so, so that's one of the issues for this team is that your Virginia and Florida State, for example, uh, they just kind of manhandled UNC up front. Uh, and Virginia is not an explosive offense, uh, but they controlled the line of scrimmage, picked up three or four yards pretty much every possession or every down, uh, and were able to, to score enough points to to win. Um, and a lot of teams don't have that luxury. Um, so what he's trying to do, not so much be a stout defense this year. It's really a matter of trying to create some havoc so that you can at least get a team to third down and try to get off the field. And if you sure. can do that, get the ball back to Sam Howe, you have a chance of winning. Um, but just the, the lack of um, experience, talent up front is really a problem. Rava Hasek is a JUCO transfer they kind of lucked into, and he's been their best player up front. Um, they do have a lot of talented kids in the freshman class. They're just not ready yet. Gotcha. Uh, let's move to the linebackers. What, what does the linebacking core look like for North Carolina? Well, this is this is the the group they really rely on. Um, okay. Chas Rat, who was yep. a first team All ACC guy last year, uh, they really flow a lot of things to him. And uh, because this is only his second year playing linebacker, yeah, he was quarterback before this. Um, <laughs> he, he's still learning. He's still very raw, but uh, he has good instincts and he's incredibly fast. But uh, Jeremiah Gimmel is alongside of him. They're an inside linebacker. And I think Gimmel, uh, you could probably argue, he's had as, just as good of a year as Sherratt has had. Um, and when the, the defensive front does its job, um, you see these guys be able to, to fill gaps and to make some plays. And that's really what Jay Bateman's wanting. Um, Trey Morrison is a uh, – technically he's a – defensive back he's played he's played everything really he's played safety and nickelback but they kind of use him like a linebacker as well uh, especially in, in the run game and he's a he's a smaller guy uh, but he's really he's really a heady player and he's he may be the best player in the defense so that that middle line is where they really feel like they have some strengths and what you'll see a lot as I, as I mentioned Bateman trying to kind of disguise things a lot of the times you'll see him drop an outside linebacker you'll see him drop uh, an inside lineman uh, so that uh, Surratt and Gimmel can, uh, can get a, a blitz on. And one thing that I think, I think your, your listeners will get a kick out of this. I mean, there's the downs this year, third and long, where you'll see the defensive lineman, the down defensive lineman slide out to the four eye position and you'll see Gimmel and Surratt line up right over top of the center. Oh wow! So you're talking about some really creative looks uh, that prove effective just because offenses really don't know what to do with it. 
Well, and, and Notre Dame's going to have a brand new center and a brand new right guard uh, in this game. So that will make things even more interesting, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's something definitely to keep an eye on. Um, how about the secondary? Are they able to, you know, hold their own uh, back there against opposing teams past games? Yeah, they've dealt with a lot of injury the really last two years back there. Um, they got some good news this week uh, in that Kyler McMichael and Storm Duck, uh, both starters at cornerback, are back practicing. They've both missed the last couple games. So that, that's that's kind of a boost for what Jay Bateman wants to do. Uh, he would love to be able to just run man all the time uh, and that frees him up to get, kind of get creative with what he does with his linebackers and at least a strong safety and nickelback. Um, they haven't been in that position, so they've had to run more more zone. Um, but if they're able to get both Duck and McMichael back, uh, depending on you know, what what level of their health they are, uh, that'll go a long way in kind of freeing them up. Um, you know, Don Chapman at free safety is a young guy, but they think he's going to be a great player for them. And then Trey Morrison, as I mentioned, uh, they prefer him at nickel. They have been playing him some at safety. So it really depends on you know, his backup at nickel is uh, Jacurious Conley. He's a true freshman. He's a big kid, big hitter, uh, still a little bit raw. So it's going to have to, we'll have to see exactly how Bateman wants to scheme this out. Uh, but they like what they have in the secondary as long as those guys are healthy. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, how about special teams? Uh, anybody in the return game or even kicker punter uh, that Irish fans should keep an eye out for? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a key for us every single week in terms of UNC has to mitigate any issues on special teams. Um, a lot of it's due to uh, depth issues, uh, lack of a lack of bodies to spread around. Uh, we also have a, a new special teams coordinator, uh, Javon DeWitt, came from Nebraska. He was with Scott Frost at Central Florida before going to Nebraska. Uh, but he didn't get a, a spring ball, and he didn't right. get a lot of work in, in the summer. And so that that's what Mac Brown has used. I don't want to say he uses it as an excuse, but he's kind of used it as an excuse. <laughs> but why the special teams have struggled the way that they do. Uh, Daz Newsom is the punt returner, um, and Michael Carter is the kickoff returner. And both those guys are explosive, uh, but those return units just have not done a good job to run so that's been a problem uh, kicking game has gotten better over the course of the year they had a transfer come in from Furman it's a small school in South Carolina uh, who, who struggled early but he settled in they have a good putter and Ben uh, Kiernan but each game this year really up until the Wake Forest game there had been one significant play on special teams that went against UNC Florida State had a big block on the opening drive uh, they were able to score off that block uh, punt and then Florida State ends up winning that game. Uh, Virginia, for example, went for it on fourth and three with a fake punt late in the game. They converted it. Uh, Michael Carter uh, didn't handle a kickoff well. Boston College recovered inside the five. Uh, so you know, a lot of plays like that that have really hurt UNC. So that's certainly an area that is a concern. And that's that. That's probably um, I wouldn't. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I'd say it's weaker than defense. But certainly a situation where Sam Howell and the offense have really had to carry the load because of some of the issues on defense and on special teams. Special teams is always so interesting. I mean, it, it just seems like more often than not, teams are playing for the push in special teams, and they just don't want to mess up, essentially, uh, on special teams. And when it does, it's it's so glaring and it's so obvious. It, it seems like teams aren't even trying to go for those big plays anymore uh, on special teams. It's disappointing because – Man, you know, 20 years ago watching football, special teams, man, a big kickoff return, big punt return. I mean, those were highlight 
situations, turn the tide of a game. And, and now it just seems like, Hey, let's just get possession, get the ball over to our offense. Yeah. And one of the funny stories about that, that we kind of first saw things shift in that regard was when Butch Davis was here, he had all these talented athletes, right. That could return kicks. Yeah. He got so frustrated with drops and muffs that he put a walk on back there to return kicks. And his job was not to run whatsoever. It was simply to catch the punt and get mm-hmm. off the field. Right. <laughs> right now, Notre Dame's first punt returner is a walk-on. So there you go. That tells you right there. Well, Matt Salerno is a walk-on at Notre Dame, and he's the punt returner. So <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway, so when it's all said and done, it's Friday. It's about 630. Uh, what has North Carolina done? What are some keys to the game for North Carolina to pull out a victory? I think the key for North Carolina is they're going to have to hit on some explosive plays. Um, that's kind of been the key to this offense. Uh, and that kind of gets them going. Uh, they can, because, I mean, they're, this is one of the best offenses that, that I've seen in recent years. Um, so they can march down the field if they need to, mm-hmm. but they're at their best when they're able to steal a couple easy scores. Sure. And that really helps the defense. Um, we've, we've seen some games this year where they've had to work for points. And given how, how problematic this defense has been, that really puts them in a difficult position. So, uh, yes, they need to, to pass well and, and run the ball well, uh, have, a, have a nice combo there. But I think they have to be able to excel in explosive plays to really have a chance. No, it makes a lot of sense. And that's you know, the, the highlight of this team is the offense. So if the offense plays well, good things are going to happen for North Carolina. There's no question about that. Um, so, Greg, I want to thank you for joining me on the Opponents Insider podcast today. Why don't you let everybody know uh, your Twitter handle and how they can follow your work? Well, Twitter handle is uh, at Inside Carolina, and I am at uh, InsideCarolina.com. Uh, we cover cover all sports, uh, primarily football and, and basketball. But, uh, you know, this, this is a, a fun year uh, for, for both sports, even though it is 2020 and, and difficult <laughs> for, for everybody. Uh, but, but that's where I'm at. Oh yeah. Basketball season is about ready to kick off here. Well, tip off. Uh, It's going to be an interesting season. That is for darn sure. Uh, Again, that's Greg Barnes. who's the beat writer for inside Clemson, which is with the two, four, seven sports group. Next up on Notre Dame schedule is the final home game of the season. And therefore it will be senior day at Notre Dame stadium when the Irish take on the Syracuse orange. And we will talk about that game next Wednesday. So until then, Thanks for joining me on the Opponents Insider Podcast.